Okay, so we're here for Dino Skeptics Live, episode number two on the 20th of December 2016. My, oh my, is time going quickly. And we're coming to Australia about 8.30 local time from the beautiful Chateau Lucas. And we've just enjoyed a lovely little salmon pasta dish. One of your signature dishes, Lucas. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, it's uh, always, always good for a date, so uh, you're more than welcome. No, it was a very, <laughs> it was a culinary experience that you have to enjoy for yourself to understand. It was just uh, beautiful stuff. But we have started a little bit late. We apologise for that. Let us know in the live chat if the audio is coming through okay. It should be. Usually this microphone can do the trick, but let us know in the live chat. And the purpose today, Lucas, is to just quickly summarise what we discussed last week about the project, what we're doing, and then get into more detail about Winton, the town that we're going to, and uh, what we expect to find, what we hope to learn while we're there. So without further ado, let the audience know, how have you been? How are things? Yeah, I've been pretty good, mate. I've got the full-time job, so pretty busy with that. Um, so unfortunately, I haven't been able to do as much research as yourself. As you know, we had a bit of an internet outage on the weekend, which took a bit of uh, that time that we could have used wisely to prepare. But yeah, overall, mate, pretty busy with day-to-day uh, -day life. So Yes, the uh, internet outage until uh, today, actually. But uh, it's back just in time for this show, which is all we really need. And uh, things have been going well. So we're using this as our little headquarters until we take off into the heart of Australia for the trip. And we're in, I guess, what would you call this general area? This South Brisbane. Uh, south, southwest, yes, on the southwest. Southwest, rather, yep. of course, yes. So uh, the southwest, it's a lovely part of town, I have to say. Thanks. Uh, not too far from the river, and uh, I've been enjoying the scenery. But uh, in maybe a week or two, we'll be out of here and on the way to Winton. So with the welcome out of the way, why don't you give the audience a recap, if you're explaining it to them fresh, what is it that you and I are planning to accomplish once we leave Brisbane for Winton? I guess there's two points here, six, uh, which we'll go through. I've been thinking about that now quite a bit. Um, so I've got my leave off from work. Like I said, work full time, so that's all uh, approved now. So we've got no blockers that way. So probably thinking about leaving on the 30th of uh, December, head out to Roma, um, probably the first point, 31st hit to uh, Longreach. And then that'll give us um, the first out at Winter. Now, the Dinosaur Museum doesn't actually happen until Tuesday the 2nd, so we'll probably get a, a chance to familiarise ourselves with the town, maybe get some establishment shots. We've got a good pub out there. I'm sure we'll be plenty busy. Um, so I guess the that's probably not just the logistics, and then obviously make our way back. We'll be back in Brisbane around the 6th of uh, January. Uh, one of your listeners did live at Bundaberg, so if they want to maybe pledge some money, we could take the Elm route, uh, hit Bundaberg, uh, maybe uh, have a nice Bundy and Coke or something, and, and mosey on back to Brisbane. So I guess that's the logistics. That's what I'm thinking. Um, not set in stone. The weather's been quite good, um, as in not too hot, so we might be able to get more kilometres on the um, uh, each day. But if it's typical 30, 35 degrees Celsius, so it's at nearly 100 Fahrenheit, um, probably don't want to be doing too much driving after 9am, so probably do the 5 till 9 stints, so 400-500k uh, in a day. So depending on whether we've got um, yeah, uh, a lot of miles to cover, but um, that's that's basically my thing at the moment, so not, not tied to that agenda. 
Now, I guess the purpose of it is, uh, like I said, there's a um, bunch of uh, dinosaurs being discovered for the first time out in uh, Western Queensland, about 1,400 kilometres. So some new species being discovered out there, um, what they call the Dino Trail, where there's the three or four major sites, uh, the Lark Quarry at Winton, um, and then the other two, Richmond and what was it, Hugh? Hugh Hewendale. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but that's probably too far out on the agenda. Uh, just another uh, three or four hundred kilometres. So anyway, they said if we get there out there on the first, then we can uh, set up base, so to speak, um, do some establishment shots, and then uh, fly from here around there. So basically, that's it to uh, look at the museums and look at the evidence out there, um, witness, you know, witness history, and these are. Uh, amazing species that have been discovered for the first time. Fair enough. This would be my elevator pitch if I just had a brief period of time. I'd say in the middle of Australia, in the middle of this state, Queensland, a whole bunch of dinosaurs have been discovered. Some really cool ones. So, Venator, dinosaur. On a titan, yep. this huge creature, really cool. Savannosaurus, Eleatorum, yep. named after the farmer who found it. Wow, all of these amazing dinosaurs found, many of them on a single property, why don't we make a little road trip out there, investigate the museum that's been built around these discoveries and just inspect the evidence for ourselves because these are amazing dinosaurs, they're scientific, they're officially recognised, there'll be plenty of evidence and that's what science is all about, isn't it? Evidence, inspecting the evidence and seeing for yourself what's going on. So it's, uh, like you said, maybe a six or seven day trip depending on circumstances. Obviously we're very flexible, but by the end of the trip we should have plenty of footage to put together a feature length film. Yeah. That is the... Elevator pitch, I suppose. What do you think of that? Yeah, excellent. And also remember this uh, dinosaur museum what had, I think, $5 million. Uh, don't quote me on this, $5 million federal funding. Well, I've gone through and put together a whole bunch of mainstream news articles as well as, I guess, primary sources straight from if you add up all of the federal funding, state funding and council funding. So far, I've put together more than $4 million, I think, and that's just in financial contributions. That doesn't include in-kind or or contributions. For instance, if you run a prison um, prisoner volunteering program where your prisoners volunteer or their time is given to local community projects, how do I put a value on that? It's very difficult. But suppose you get your prisoners to build the fences of a museum, that's a very, very useful museum. Yeah. So would you believe it, the museum that we're checking out, the, uh, the fences, among other things, were built by prisoners of a nearby penitentiary, from what I can gather. And that's just from the official sources. So, yeah, if we add up the financial contributions and the in-kind contributions, this museum has quite a bit of money. So the dudes going out there and just have... Not as uh, dinosaur files, not as lovers of dinosaurs or people who will just believe whatever they're told, but just as regular lay people who've done a bit of background research. And pay their taxes to uh, build these uh, museums as well. It's a tough life working 9 to 5, isn't it, mate? What time did you get home yesterday? 10 p.m.? Crazy. So, uh, yeah. I wouldn't harm in spending a week of your holidays just making a trip into central Queensland. Exactly right. Yeah, see a bit of, uh, see a bit of, the, bit of the country as we go. So. Well, that's another thing too because obviously we're in Brisbane here and uh, many of the people who are watching this won't be familiar with Australia. Brisbane is the northernmost major city on the eastern seaboard, and the eastern seaboard is where most Australians live. The further north you go, the more tropical it gets. So I've personally never been further north than maybe two hours north of Brisbane. 
we're heading pretty far north inland and west inland as well. So just from a, I guess, a tourism perspective or a sightseeing perspective, that'll be a fun part of the trip as well. Yeah, I've been up to Cooktown. That's the first I've been, um, but west probably I've hit Roma. Probably that's the first west I've been. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well, just to, uh, yeah, try and, I would have liked to go on right out to Pepper's Corner or Birdsville, but again, uh, just time permitting, it's probably going to add too much onto the trip. And uh, there's going to be obviously a lot of um, work, not just the driving as well, setting up, taking shots, retaking shots, doing the, the, the filmography stuff. So then the uh, bit of uh, post-editing or editing on the road as well. So I think we're going to have our hands full uh, on the day. So probably just try and do one thing right as opposed to just getting other uh, other um, miles in the, in, in the belt. So. Yeah, that's true. I mean... I know from experience and just from reading other people's experiences, the more methodical you are during filming, the easier it is in post-production and editing. So we'll be putting a lot of effort into getting the right shots at the right time, making sure we put most of our efforts into producing the material for the film. But at the same time, it won't hurt to just uh, stop by a couple of pubs and speak with the locals. And uh, who knows, maybe some of them will jump on camera as well. And we can ask them, you know, we're on our way to see the dinosaurs. You must get many tourists come through. What are your thoughts on the Wintonner Titan or the Savannosaurus or any of these dinosaurs that were found on one dude's farm? Yeah, it'd be actually interesting to find out because I probably wouldn't get exposed to uh, the media that we do out there. I don't think it'd be more community or local news. So would they hear about it through, like, direct sources? And is that, um, yeah, does that paint a different uh, picture than what we, we feel? So we receive or perceive. Um, you know, maybe it's just known and maybe it's, uh, yeah, maybe it's a bit more of a, I guess, a bond with it as well. So, um, yeah, the relationships with the community is something that interests me as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we can even see if there's any mention of these dinosaurs in the local news. Like, yeah. is there a local newspaper? If there is, one up. What, what kind of thing exposed to? Maybe the local footy teams named after the Savannosaurus. Uh, or, or sponsored by the agent <laughs> of uh, Dinosaur Museum, possibly. So um, so that's basically the welcome. We've done the welcome. We've given a recap of the concept for the film. Again, people just go back and check out Dino Skeptics Live episode one, where we go into more detail about the broader idea of why we're interested in dinosaurs and all the rest of it. But what we wanted to also do with this episode in particular was just focus on the town of Winton, some of the main names involved, and I guess some of the background research that we've already done in preparation for the trip, because that is the idea, as fun as we want it to be and as much as I want personally want the film to be uh, as much about Australia as it is about dinosaurs, that is a big focus of the film. So we've had to do a lot of research, uh, not just with the newspaper articles, but also with the scientific literature about what these dinosaurs are, who found them, who named them or described them, which is a term they use apparently in paleontology. What is it that we're expecting to see when we get there? So while I bring up the screen share, can you give people an overview of what you know about the town of Winton, their dinosaur discoveries, and who's been involved? Okay, so the town of Winton, or I don't know too much, to be honest. Um, literally a one-pop town. I'd say the population is 300, if I remember correctly. Um, so very small. Once you can go past the uh, dividing range, the, the town sizes are... Are typically very small. Um, so, like I said, my parents were out there, did I say, probably, I think it's November. Um, so they've done the, the trip out there. So pretty much the only information I know is from, uh, yeah, 
the, the internet or talking to my parents. Um, so what was the other question, sorry? Well, what's your broad, if someone said to you, why is Winton important? What, what, what is it about Winton that you know so far? Yeah, so that's when uh, the Lark Quarry or the Stampede, the Lark Stampede, um, I guess, was found. And that's what um, was the first discovery out there. And so the story goes that was it 1976 that the... Um, uh, the first footprints were found and then they un uh, uncovered up to what, 3,500 footprints out there and apparently the scene from Jurassic Park where there's a flock of, I don't know, is that the, the vernacular for, for a herd of dinosaurs, a flock of dinosaurs, um, was modelled apparently on that lark quarry and the lark stampede. So I actually borrowed that book that, um, I forget the name of it now, it might have been about the stampede, from the Queensland Museum a couple of months ago. I took some photocopies. There wasn't really much information there, to be honest, about the actual stampede. Um, but I think Winton is important. Now, the Lark Quarry is, what, 100 kilometres southwest of memory from Winton. So Winton is the closest township, I'd say, that you'd say to the Lark Quarry. And 100 kilometres sounds like a lot, but when we're talking about remote Queensland, remote Australia, this is uh, very close geographically. And a number of the key sites of discoveries are all within a small uh, geographic area, I suppose. So what I'm doing now, and if you can just check the, the live stream to make sure this is coming through on the screen share. There it is. So this is what I've put together for people to check out themselves to get an idea of the background research that I've already done. Obviously, we've got more to do between now and when we leave, but this will give you a good overview. And if you just go to the website, johnlebond.com, go to key topics, dino fraud, and then dino, uh, sorry, documentary dino skeptics, this is the page that you're looking for. And basically, it gives you an overview of what I've found so far. And uh, there's quite a bit of text there. We won't go through all of it today, but just to give us something to bounce off while we go through this, it'll work as a good place to start. So if you are at your computer right now, you might even want to bring this up while we're speaking. But basically, Dino Skeptics, the feature link is early 20, uh, 2017. Now, I've edited many much smaller videos, but a feature length film, this will be my first. I think I'm being very optimistic if I think it will take me a month. I'll do my best to get it done in that amount of time, but it really depends how much footage we get, how many bonus features we put on DVD, all this kind of thing. It might be February. It might even be March. You just never know with a project this big when you're doing it for the first time. But that's the plan. Film it late December, early, uh, early January, and have it ready for release sometime thereafter. So that's the overview of the, the purpose of the film. Now, the contents of this page, I go into detail about what is Winton, Queensland, Australia, the dinosaurs that have been discovered in and around Winton, Dr. Stephen Poropat, Dr. Scott Hucknall, and the key three dinosaurs from David Elliott's property and their relationship to each other, the Australian Age of Dinosaurs Museum, or AAOD Limited, which is the, uh, I guess, organisation which controls the museum, which is at the heart of our road trip and the feature-length film, hopefully. Uh, I talk a little bit about David Elliott, the dinosaurs on his property, the fact that he opened a museum, and then he discovered more dinosaurs. He's quite a lucky man. In fact, section six of that page, and this is just a draft of the page, but at present time, section six is David Elliott, Australia's luckiest man, because if he's not the luckiest man in Australia, I would like to know he found a dinosaur, and then he got a lot of local support to build a museum. They organised to build a museum, he happens to find a meteorite on his property, same property, by the way. He wants to sell that uh, meteorite for $100,000 so he can open his museum. 
he opens his museum and he discovers more dinosaurs. He's uh, one hell of a lucky guy, I would think, Lucas. I don't know too many people more lucky than that. Your you know, present company excluded with the lovely Chateau Lucas and a beautiful family and a lovely job and all the rest of it. But for the average person, I think he's doing better. That's a fair summation, yeah. But hey, you know, maybe the, the uh, dinosaurs all flock together and uh, yeah, they all decided to get extinct out together as well. So uh, maybe it's not like maybe you know, if you just if you get out there and do the hard yards and start thinking around, hey, Johnny, you might be the next, uh, you know, next David Elliott. You never know. Maybe. maybe. If a grazier can become one of Australia's greatest dinosaur discoverers, then why can't a, uh, a 30-year-old bum? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> why not? Well, land's probably cheap out there, so maybe we just buy a plot and, uh, you know, set up just, just 100 kilometres closer to Brisbane just to get the that, that could be, away. That could be a fair deal if the township of Winton and the age of a... Age of Dinosaurs Museum get together and say, listen, Jono, this film, we don't like this film. We'll give you a plot of land and you can open your own dinosaur tourism shop and we'll guarantee you 50 grand a year. I might be tempted to take the deal. So if you're listening to us out there, Age of Dinosaurs Museum, get together and decide how much this film is worth to you. Have you ever, uh, have you ever driven out to Vegas from LA? I haven't even been to the US. Oh, well, you're in for a treat. Once you get out past the uh, what is it, Californian border, they have these fake Vegases as you go along to get the tourists on the way in to the real Vegas. So, yeah, maybe we could just set up these museums just a couple hundred kilometres closer. So, Of course, only uh, only after finding our own dinosaurs oh, on our property. Yeah. We wouldn't well, want to do anything know. unscientific. Yeah. No, no. If we set it up, I'm sure we'll find something and then we can fund the, the museum. That's how it works, obviously. So you've been to Vegas then? Yeah. That doesn't surprise me, <laughs> does it? Well, not, was, not, not this year, but... <laughs> right, that was related to the poker, yeah? Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Wait, well, one of our one of our common interests is uh, poker. I'd like to say that I'm a better poker player than Lucas, but he's here, so I'll save that for another video. All right, so let's get through this. He's not, he doesn't find that amusing. He's like, how, how dare you? I've seen it. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so a road trip and how you can get involved. So let's quickly go through it then. I've put together this image from Google Maps, and then I've done my own little uh, arrow there. But that is where Winton is. It is in the heart of Queensland. Now, this is Brisbane out here, as I said, our northernmost... Um, Eastern Seaboard City. Most of the population of this country lives along this region here. A lot of people see Australia, they assume that there's lots of people in the middle. Yeah. I've even seen mainstream media films, like mainstream Hollywood films, where if they show a picture of, say, a disaster in Australia, they've got it out here. No one lives there, yeah. right? Practically no one lives there, and literally no one lives there from what I've heard. Yeah. So we're heading from uh, the metropolis of Brisbane all the way into Winton and back again. But we might come via Bundaberg if our old mate wants to invite us yep. to stop in there. I think it was Common Law Man who was saying that. So Common Law Man, if you're out there, we might just pop in to say day. So that is uh, an overview of Winton. Now, according to Museums Victoria, the vast majority of Australia's dinosaur bones come from north central Queensland and they're found in early Cretaceous rocks, which were formed about 140 million years ago, give or take uh, a million years. But even though this is the richest Australian dinosaur region, finds are still rare and fewer than 10 skeletons are known, some of them rather incomplete. And we'll see more of that later. And the actual town itself apparently has about 1,000 people and it is advertised as a hot tourist destination. This is a big part of their tourism dollar. Yeah, oh, it'd have to be, mate. There's not much else out there. So yeah, like you said, um, it's actually funny once you, yeah, you're in for a treat. Once you go past the range, you, uh, yeah, the population is very, very sparse out there. So that's one thing I think you'll be 
pleasantly surprised. And it is, um, yeah, it is literally one one pub towns, and everyone knows everyone. Everyone you know goes to school together, kicks the footy together. So it'd be actually be interesting to see how we're perceived as well. Like we start oh, yeah. going out there and asking a few questions, like city slickers or something. And oh, not even that. Just maybe questioning. Oh, you know, because like I said, even in those um, videos you watch, you know, they're, they're referred to you as as uh, mates' names. It's not Professor Hartnell. It's old Scotty. So. Yeah you'll find that uh, mateship out there. So if we come along, even just uh, maybe questioning that, not even uh, the story of the dinosaurs, just even questioning someone's, um, I guess, reputation. Uh, how will that be perceived? Yeah, I guess my strategy won't be to question reputations, but I can see what you mean even by implication. If you were to say to someone, what do you reckon about a bloke finding four, three or four dinosaurs and an asteroid on his property? Like, what do you reckon about that? I yeah. guess that could be perceived as questioning someone's reputation. If, that, if indeed that is his reputation, this one dude found three dinosaurs and an asteroid, just found it on his, you know, didn't even have to dig, he actually just found them on the on the surface. He kicked his toe on That's pretty much yeah. how he found them, yeah. yeah. So mm, I get what you mean. But generally my experience, rural people, maybe not just Australia, but, but just broadly speaking, uh, generally nicer people. I think um, yeah. the city, not always, but just generally, they seem more down to work and uh, less infected by television and, uh, you know, modern modern cultural Marxism and all the rest of it that I won't get into today. But generally, I find country people nicer. Yeah. And, uh, well, they've got real problems. And, yeah, it's, it's, they've got real real problems and they have to, you know, do hard work. So there's a little bit less of listening to the nonsense, right? Yep. There's some real problems that affect real families. So, yeah, the other mainstream stuff, you know, in, in the cities that we just take for granted. So, yeah, we're, we're probably caught up by that. Um, so a bit more uh, exposed to that, that media and those you know, their social constructs, so they just aren't out there because they're just not relevant or not of importance. Yeah, you're not too worried about deconstruction of feminist theory when you're growing, uh, growing crops and there's not much rain coming in. Yeah, exactly right. You know, you just lost a 1,000 cows to chef on TV, right? you got to fix those fences. And yeah. Get out there. Yeah, like I said, I've got a few friends who live out there, um, out that way. Unfortunately, they're actually going to see if we could camp out there on the way out, but they're not really on our on our trajectory, unfortunately. So, but yeah, I've, I've grown up with these kind of people as well. Well, I've made this point before, and I'll make it again. You are in charge of the logistics. It won't be me. So uh, wherever you say we're stopping in, we will be stopping in. And uh, we've got a question in the live chat. My old mate Gino down there in Melbourne caught up with him a couple of times when I was in Melbourne recently. And he says, who is John talking to? Gino, you should know the answer to that. I think you might be being a bit of a cheeky uh, smart fellow there. I am, of course, with Lucas from Bitcoin Brisbane, who uh, this was actually your idea. Originally, we have to give credit where credit's due. That they discovered all these dinosaurs on a single property just laying there. I didn't know any of that until you brought it up with me. So if this is a success, and I'm sure it will be, part of that comes right back to the start where you said to me, why don't we go on a trip? In fact, I think your words were along the lines of, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? If you're going to question <laughs> science, why don't you go to the experts and question them? And I said, let's do it. And he said, all right, then it's 1,300 kilometers. And I said, well, I'll get back to you. Yeah. Finally, I did get back to you, and it's all going to happen. Yeah, that's right. Like, one of the, the things that I find on all these uh, truth videos, um, besides, like, you know, even your mate Gino, is people don't actually go out and do the field work. Like, uh, yeah, research from your computer is easy, right? But actually getting off your ass and driving, you know, 1,400 kilometres and uh, um, 
you know, actually, there's you know, there's fuel costs, there's actually costs involved, there's logistics, there's like myself, time off work. Um, what else could I be doing with that week of my life? But um, to go out there and actually do it is uh, is hard. Like, even you guys about your flat Earth taking uh, videos of the stars, like, yeah, what's it what's it cost you a couple of hours of your life to go set up a tripod and do it? But how many actually did it? So you know, that's exactly right. Right, so let's, let's actually go out there and have a look, and that's you know, providing some evidence that you see firsthand. So, um, yeah, to, to even to the, the skeptics of your work, well, at least at least you've done it, right? at least you've done the effort, you've tried. You know, how many people actually go try to find the ice wall, right? None. Yeah, None. It's, so. it's funny you should say that because Gino, and I can see why Gino asked that because we're screen sharing, so if he's just started watching. Yeah. He won't, might, he might not be familiar with your uh, voice rather than your image. So fair enough, Gino. I uh, take back my smart Alec comment. And uh, you make a good point about, I mean, you made a reference to these flat earth believers. There's many on YouTube now. And for one reason or another, some of them are subscribed to my channel. Some of them are even in the live chat as we speak. The association, I guess I have to take responsibility for what happened in the past, but they're not my main audience going forward, I can tell you that. And Gino himself actually was one of the few people who said, hey, I don't know the shape of the earth, but... Maybe the scientists are telling us the truth. I'll go and do some observations. And it was actually his video where he filmed over uh, Port Phillip Bay down there in Melbourne and said, look, guys, I, I can see too much water. I can't see. I think you might be telling porcupines. He actually did more work to observe just some basic observational data than most of the believers on YouTube. Yeah. And I think it's going to be similar with this documentary. Yeah, and that's right. And that's what, that's what Gino's asked. Am I, uh, am I becoming a dinoscopic now? Well, it's not really that. It's one, um, you yeah. know, why not just be shotgun and uh, wingman? And like I said, my, my father's got um, the van, etc., to get out there. So again, I can provide support indirectly to help you and, and your journey on, on discovery on all sorts of things. And also it's, also, it's also good, I think, to have someone to always question the skeptic. And that is my role, I think. So yeah, let, let's bounce these ideas of each other. I'm, like I said, I don't really care whether they exist or not. Like, you know, maybe I don't buy my kids dinosaur toys. Maybe I buy them bit more like who cares really end of it but if you're throwing out ideas there's also some of those, that's what i want to be the, the skeptic on the skeptic as well or maybe yeah maybe i'm a bit more towards the the mainstream opinion but um you know i would say personally and don't take this the wrong way you probably are more towards the mainstream opinion on most things but that's not necessarily a bad thing because after two years of doing what i've been doing people might accuse me of being too far to the non-mainstream and so would you want two of me or two of you going on this trip? I would say no. Yeah. A mixture of the two could be good. And going back to that question about, well, people on YouTube, they're making claims. Are they going and looking for the evidence? The answer is nine times out of ten, if we're being generous, no, they're not. So I am obviously very suspicious of all scientists. I'm not saying they're all lying or that everything I say is wrong. Of course, and that's crazy. But I, I don't just say, well, he's a scientist. I'm going to believe him until he's disproven. I say he's a scientist. He should be making empirical claims. I'll check them. They should come back all good. not come back so good. And then I talk about it. That's where I'm coming at this from. You're somebody who probably has a little bit more trust in science. So between the two of us, we should be able to put together a good film. And uh, we've just got a question from the live chat. Lucas has pointed out. What steps would Lucas take to re-educate his children if he became... I'm convinced that is an excellent that question. Is, that, is actually. Great, that is a great question. And hey, it's not to be taken a lot. I've actually been thinking about this. It's actually funny how much you're...
does reading those there's a hint of doubt now so i've actually been thinking this and i've I took my son to the uh, Sedano exhibition up here that you went to as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, um, the Cretaceous. Yeah. The creatures of the Cretaceous. Yeah. And they had a fantastic time and it was good. And he, he starts asking some, some you know, really, really good questions, really relevant questions. You're expected to have the answers to these as well. Um, so, yeah. It's, uh, so, I guess, I guess the question is I want him to form his own opinions. So I made that little video of him and I asked, uh, <laughs> I asked the question, do you think the dinosaurs are real? And he took it as a uh, literal sense that they um, real and alive today. So I want him to, yeah, and that's what muse museums should be, is you go in there and review the evidence, you, you look at the staff, they've got games to make it a bit more interactive, but it's, it's trying to build science as fun um, into, yeah, into, into the kids. So I want him to, uh, I want him to project the uh, information objectively, and if 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 he has a, a different opinion, then, then yeah, that, that's so be it. And we should have we should respect each other's opinions as well, even as as my son. Apparently, we lost the sound briefly there. So just quickly recap the question. The question was: If you discover that dinosaurs, or at least these dinosaurs, because even if even if it turned out that these dinosaurs were not what we were told they were, we're talking about four or five species. There's over five hundred dinosaur species officially recognized. So we're dealing with 1%. So I don't think whether we find out that these ones are based on real evidence or they're not, I'm not sure you can extrapolate across the entire thing based on that. But for the sake of argument, if you were to find out that these ones were at best a little bit dodgy, how do you deal with your son? And what you're saying is you want him to work it out for himself. You wouldn't give him the beliefs one way or the other. Is that a fair summation? I think that's... Well, Pretty much, but you want the best way I think to educate people is to get them to reach the conclusion by themselves, right? So even if it's things around the house, etc., like you know, picking up their toys, you want them to buy into that idea and, and, and understand that reasoning. If I tell people to do it, then they're never gonna they're never gonna adopt that line of thought. So you want to um, provide and and. Dental, I think that's the better way um, to learn, so it becomes clear. So, if these ones we find out fake, yeah, that, that's a, that's a good question. How maybe we maybe I can then approach it. Look at look at this. This is what I've found, and what's what's your conclusion? But your memory is pretty small, so um, yeah. So, will it actually do? What's yes on it? So, if she's not believing this, can that introduce conflicts when you're trying to grow and develop? So, these are. These are other questions I have to consider. So. It is a very tough question, and there are so many ethical considerations that come into this, not just on this topic, but a lot of the topics that I look into. If what we're being told is not true, is it incumbent on us, or should we even have the right to share this with others? Not so much should we have the right to, but should we consider it a good thing to do to share it with others? I make the analogy to suppose you grew up in a small village, before television, where everybody believed in Mormonism, for argument's sake, right? Everyone just believed that they took it for granted. It wasn't even a belief, it was just how things were. And you happened to go away for a while and realise it, it was just nonsense. And you come back to the town, would you try and tell all of your friends that it was all based on a lie? And a lot of people's initial answer will be, well, of course I would, of yeah. course I'd tell them. You've got to tell them, it's the truth, you've got to tell them. I would suggest that if you've been doing what I've been doing for the last couple of years and studying what I've been studying, learning what I've been learning, 
and trying to deal with people in the ways that might seem instinctively good, you might eventually come to this position of maybe a lot of those people in that town are no less happy now than they would be if they knew the truth. And if you think it's your right to take away people's happiness, you aren't like me or one iota. What say you? Yeah, well, that's actually an interesting point. There's on that um, 48 laws of power, one of the laws one of the laws he pitches is think as yourself but act as others so you know sometimes it's better just to perhaps blend in with the crowd but have your own beliefs and thoughts so yeah interesting interesting thoughts but um 48 laws of power a very controversial book when did you first read that one lucas um probably two years ago if i, if I remember well that's what i probably thought about like um, first stumbled on it across, I think, um, and then I revisited a couple of weeks ago. It just popped up again. Well, I wasn't familiar with it, so I'm going to bet that many of the listeners aren't. This is a very short book. You can find it on PDF form, 48 Laws of Power. The author's name escapes me, but Lucas sent me a copy. I think it was only written like 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's relatively recent. And Lucas sent me a PDF copy maybe two weeks ago, I think. And uh, one of the laws is basically keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And I'm like... I'm going to live in this guy's house for like a week or two and then take a trip into the middle of Australia with this with this guy who thinks this book is good. Guys, if you never hear from me again, I'm not going to give you the address of where we are, but southwest Brisbane, yeah, yeah just um, just so everybody knows. But other than that, all good. Ah, yeah. ah, we're all going all right? Ah, no, you go with the bang. Well, that, well <laughs> we, look, we're going to a town in the middle of uh, country Queensland where perhaps a lot of people's income is dependent on dinosaurs. My position is I'm an amateur filmmaker with a very small audience, like 3,000 subscribers on YouTube, nothing close to that in terms of real subscribers. I'm a nobody. I don't think they're going to care about me, and uh, that's what I'm hoping because a lot of those guys do own guns, Lucas. You know, and you've got a lot more to lose than me. I don't have a family. Like, I, if I disappear, eh, it's not that, you know, who cares? Whereas you, you've actually got a whole family and a beautiful place, Chateau Lucas. Here in South Western. So I suggest them. Yeah, that's probably fair, mate. But hey. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> even argue with it. Leslie, what are the greatest? Don't, don't ever suggest you better than in a poker, or that's it. He's, he'll go cold on you. He's a big, he's a big uh, he rates himself in poker. Leslie, one of the greatest minds on YouTube. I yeah. Yeah, I would. That is a fair description of me, yeah. but I'm a big fish in a very, very small pond. Um, let's be uh, let's be straight up here. The difference between what we're doing with this documentary and most of the people in YouTube who claim to be interested in this is that we actually read scientific literature. I read scientific literature. I look up the papers. I do the research. Most people don't. Speaking of which, we better get back to yeah. the screen share because that, that was a good question from Galway, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Very good question. Next time you get a good question like that, Lucas, why don't you just. Uh, Write it down and we'll come back to it at the end because we do need to get through this. A lot of information that we need to get through. So I'll just make sure while this is screen sharing, the audio is coming through because last time I switched, we had some problems. Is the audio coming through okay right now, which isn't bad for a late notice video. Of course, these are made available on delay on archive at johnlebon.com. So these are the dinosaurs. Jeez, we're running out to part two and yeah. it's almost the hours up. So we, get, we need to get going quickly here. Oh, yeah. The dinosaurs discovered in and around Winton, there are four main ones that are of interest to me and I'm sure to you as well. I'll read them out. The first one is, you might read it, and I did it first as Australopinator, but the emphasis is on the uh, Australia, on the fourth syllable there, Australia Veneta. 
That was discovered or described in 2009 by Scott Hucknell, Dr. Scott Hucknell, if you don't mind. Then the Diamantinosaurus, also 2009 by Scott Hucknell, and the Savannosaurus, 2005 by David Elliott, the man who runs that the farm where these were found. And now run. And then also Wintona Tiger, one discovered back in 74, but only reclassified more recently in 2009 by Scott Hucknell. Now, there's a name that comes up three times there, and that is Dr. Scott Hucknell. We'll come back to him in a moment. But these are the dinosaurs. Now, I've taken one of these images. The dinosaurs. Scientific paper, Lucas. This is what science, if we, the bones that they claim to have or the fossils that they claim to have, if they are legitimate, let's just say for the sake of argument they are, even the scientists themselves don't claim than what you see on your screen. Now, putting aside any questions of validity as to the fossils, let's say for certain that these are prehistoric bones. What do you notice about, about these images, Lucas? Yeah, well, the blindingly obvious thing is where are the head and tail bones in the top two uh, and, and and see where's the head bones so if we just scroll back up everything is like outside those uh, that central cluster that's the right word is pure speculation there's, there's nothing else that it can be right so why can't you have a short head or or three tails you know so um, why why are they of that form or, or shape or character? Now, that's not to say you know, that uh, they, they could be based on some other thing, um, but it's, to me, that's sort of the blindingly obvious. How can you know the size? How can you know the weight um, when you don't have much at all? Like, how, how do you know that? How do you know they'll had a big neck and head like that? It seems to just fit within a preconceived image, a preconceived thought, not looking at the bones and then saying, well, what does it actually look like? If that's, if that makes Yeah, that's, that's pretty much my sentiments as well. How on earth can you come up with the notion that it has a very long neck and a very long tail, which is really the signature image of these uh, so-called sauropods? How can you come up with that if you have none of the bones from the head or the tail? It seems ridiculous. Most people, I would suggest, the moment you tell them this is official science from a peer-reviewed paper, they'd say, "Well, I mean, the scientists know what they're doing with this. Why, why would you, why would you question what they, what they're doing?" No, they have to know what they're doing, mate. They're, uh, they're paleontologists. Well, they're experts. You know, yeah. experts in their field and sheep farmers. So. And uh, this one down here, this is the. If you look at the um, title of or the, the thumbnail for our first Dinoskeptics Live, it's the Australovenata that yeah. I uh, put in there from the Age of uh, of Dinosaurs Museum. This is the creature. This is one of their signature creatures because this was Australia's first uh, sauropod, yeah. uh, theropod rather, theropod, theropod that uh, eats eats meat and things like yeah. that. It's basically our answer to the to the raptor. In fact, it's more fierce than a raptor if you ask old mate David Elliott. So this is a very important creature. And once again, you've got a bit of the leg, a bit of the the foot, a tiny bit of the rib cage, no spine, no tail, uh, no neck. A little bit of the jaw, and uh, that's that's about it. But this thing was uh, more fierce than uh, than a raptor, Lucas. Yeah, and on that um, video we watched the other night, they actually showcased that jaw. So you know we might be in for a little bit of a treat and get to see one of these uh, 
jaws with 18 teeth in the in the flesh, so to speak, in the bone. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, uh, that makes two of us. So this this is from a scientific paper, and this is what we're dealing with. And again, all of this information is available on johnlebon.com. And if you just go to the Dino Fraud and in the Dino Skeptic section, it's all provided there for free. Now I'm just waiting for this page to go back to where it was. And so yeah, so those are the dinosaurs. And then of course you've got the Savannosaurus here, uh, the Savannosaurus Eleatorum, if uh, if memory serves me correctly, yep. which was the one that set all of this off. So more information is provided at johnlebon.com. Go and check it out. But we need to sort of uh, get through this. And as you can see, I provide plenty of direct quotes, plenty of, plenty of citations. All the links are there. There's like 20 links in this one page. This is proper research, Lucas, as opposed or in contrast to what you're going to find from most YouTubers who talk about these sorts of topics. Now, we'll move on to section three then. And these are very important characters in all of this. Dr. Stephen Porapat, Dr. Scott Harknell, and those three key dinosaurs that these two were involved in. Basically, if I can give a summation, it works like this. David Elliott just trips over the dinosaurs, basically, on his farm. Doesn't even have to dig the bones. Gets in contact with the local authorities or experts there in Brisbane, which is the closest capital city. And of course, the one that we live in. Right, a couple of these there were experts on this kind of thing. Dr. Stephen Porapat and Dr. Scott Hucknell. One way or another, they verify that these bones are ridgy-ditch. And, and next thing you know, David Elliott has found three new species of dinosaur on his farm. And in future videos, we'll go into more detail about these two characters. But if you could give your overview, Lucas, based on the videos that you and I have watched together and the information that you've read, what is your first take on old uh, Scotty Hucknell and Stevie Porapat? Um, well, I just... I'll give background on what I know about them um, for the listeners as well. So Porapat is the um, museum creator, here, curator here in Brisbane, and Hucknell is um, based at a UQ, which is actually just across the river. Um, uh, I guess what I um, what my feeling to them, like I've actually, yeah, I've never met them obviously, but I've actually emailed them both to say, hey, we're interested in dinosaurs actually interested in making an independent film of them and uh, drive out to Win Winton. Um, but from that opportunity to yeah, have a chat and a coffee and yeah, maybe contribute yeah, in, in, a, uh, in, in a scientific way. But um, yeah, haven't, haven't heard back from them. So um, yeah, that's pretty much all I know about them, to be honest. Well, what we'll do is, like I said, when we've got videos ready, we'll go into more detail about these uh, interesting fellows uh, soon. But they are experts in their field. They, uh, at least one of them is, uh, in fact, I think they're both doctors. At least yep. one of them is, but I think they both are doctors, which means they've written their PhDs, which we would have theses on dinosaurs and all the rest of it. But if you want more information, official information from official sources, newspaper articles, their own papers, their own statements, etc. It's all provided on this page. Again, the research has been done for you. I even have provided links to the official scientific papers for you to go and read for yourself. So as you can see here, the new mid-Cretaceous dinosaurs from Winton, Queensland, Australia. There's old mate Scotty Hucknell. There is David A. Elliott is even named on the paper, the uh, grazier from Queensland. And you can just peruse this information for yourself. And there's quite a bit of information. And what I would suggest to people is 
don't let the complicated sounding terms scare you off or confuse you or make you infer or imply any authority to these people. Don't let their nomenclature scare you. You'll get your head around it. Even terms like theropod and all the rest of it. At first, this can uh, be a bit daunting, but these are just words. And if you take the time to take notes, you'll get your head around it. It's not nearly as uh, daunting or challenging. I think it's thesis was getting the uh, dinosaur in fact I've even got it on this page so why not take a look here Hucknall I think so um, yeah so he, he was yeah, always bound to be a paleontologist uh, got some honours did something in 2005 didn't he won some young scientist award that was I'm pretty sure that was Pyropat who won yeah, Young Australian Year Award or whatever. But with Hucknall, this is an article from the Courier Mail, which is Queensland's only main newspaper, and uh, looks like our internet has gone again. Has it? Are we getting any audio? Can the live chat let us know if we're getting audio here? We are on cable internet, but um, we did have some problems earlier this week. Um, but I did um, sort that out. Um, Okay. Well, you thought out. you sorted it out, but yeah. uh, we do apologise to the listeners live and on delay for the uh, audio interruptions. Hopefully, most of what we're saying is still making sense to people. So getting back to old mate Scotty Hucknall, this article from the Courier-Mail, which is Australia's only mainstream daily newspaper, this article says that it was 2001 and Hucknall had only recently finished his PhD in paleontology and was about to embark on an expedition to Cape York with the Queensland Museum. The museum had heard of David's motorbike mustering discovery of bones through highly respected paleontologist, the late Dr. Mary Wade, who had excavated Lake Quarry, and sorry, Lake Quarry, and retired to the outback. The expedition detoured via Winton to take a look, and then the doctor says, we walk in, and on a ping pong table, there are dinosaur bones. There's bones and fragments all over the trestle tables, on the dining room table, in the lounge, on some old beds, statements, says Hucknall, his voice rising with excitement even now. One piece was immediately recognisable as the femur of a big dinosaur and Hocknell saw his nascent career taking shape. So imagine that, you've just done your PhD on dinosaurs, this is going to be your career you hope and wouldn't you know it, you turn up to some grazier's farm and on trestle tables are dinosaur bones that you can immediately pick out are the femurs of 67 plus million year old dinosaurs and you can just see your career taking shape. I would ask, what, why are people putting dinosaur bones on my ping pong table? <laughs> That's a bigger question. That is a good question and the, the answer to that one is because David Elliott found all of these bones and had nowhere to put them until the scientists got there. So he put them on ping pong tables, trestle tables. He had bones coming out the wazoo and he had to put them somewhere. No, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a shame about the ping pong tables and all that. I've got to say that. Lucky yes. wasn't it? Had to have uh, covered the, the, the snooker table as well. They had too many bones and they had nowhere to put them. So that's what happened there. So again, all the information I do strongly recommend people go and check this out for themselves. It's all links. All of the citations are there. All of the hyperlinks in the page. Very easy to follow. Just go and look into this official story for yourselves, guys. I've spent hours and hours writing this page. Strongly recommend you go and check it out for yourself. So we'll move on to part four now, the Australian Age of Dinosaurs Museum. Basically, they're the ones who run the museum that we're going to, the main one that we're interested in. 
and there's a good overview provided there. Basically, in 1999, David Elliott discovered a fossilised bone of what was then Australia's largest dinosaur. In 2002, they uh, decides he wants to make a museum from the bone. And then three years later, in 2005, he discovers even more dinosaur bones. So finds a bone, starts a museum property. We're probably due for another one. We could be out there and um, we might be the lucky guys who discover another John, John Labonosaurus. Hey? John Labonosaurus, yes. Get your tongue on the car park. Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Keep your eyes peeled. Yeah. All right, so I then go into detail about the governance of this place. Obviously, Huck. These, these are the people who like run this museum, all right? This is just uh, half of them, but they're the half that I thought were the most interesting. Hucknall, who we've already discussed, yep. his dinosaur career, according to the Career Mail, nothing to do with me, don't shoot the messenger. His career largely dependent on these finds. You've got Graham Linton, who is the current mayor of the yep. Linton Shire. You've got Bruce Collins, who is a former mayor yep. and served on the council for 25 years. Old You've Eddie. got old Eddie Warren, another former mayor yep. of Linton Shire. And then Robert Elliott, who, from what I can gather from that ABC article that I linked to, is actually David's son. So the guy who found all the dinosaurs, as well as an asteroid we'll get to in a moment, this is his son, another farmer-looking fella, and a nice-looking chap. He looks like a well-meaning, well-to-do kind of dude from uh, out in the bush. And as we can see there, he's uh, concreting the floor of a shed on his family's property. The shed will be used as a preparation area for pieces to be included in the expanded museum. Yeah, well... So it's a family business. Yeah, exactly. Family-run business. Uh, make sure you get your... Uh yeah, we don't want to ruin another ping pong table, so let's, <laughs> let's get that one away. Yep. That's, yeah, smart man is uh, Robert. So what do you notice? We've got the, the good doctor yeah. and then four guys who have all, I mean, serving on a council in metro areas is an easy way to make cash from developers. I would imagine that out in these townships, it actually is giving your time for the benefit of the council. I would like to think that. So I would, I would imagine these are guys who really care about their township They've all served on the council and even been mayors. The fact that you've got a museum which brings in tourists, along with Dr. Scott Hucknall, some people might begin to wonder what all of their interests are being on the board at the same time, Lucas. Yeah, well, this will be, the, I'm sure this is the lifeblood of uh, the community. It's, uh, it is the cash cow, the cash dinosaur. Uh, um, so, of course, a museum influence to either get more revenue, uh, expand the museum, um, obviously peer review the literature and uh, make sure nothing nefarious is going on. Uh, let's not take that away. Um, because, you know, if something did, if it became a scam, the whole town would collapse. So we've got to make sure that the, uh, you yeah, know, what old Dave was saying is, is true and accurate, heaven forbid. Yeah, so maybe these guys are on the board just to make sure that David's being kept in line and just making sure that Everything that David does is rigid and above board and uh, these former mayors and councillors of the Winston Shire, they're giving their service to the museum in the interests of full disclosure. A very plausible explanation. There are others, but I'll leave the listeners to speculate about those themselves. Just quickly on the government funding, I think I said $4 million earlier. I might have uh, overstated it's actually $3 million. Let's research that I've done so far, more to do soon, according to official sources, including their own website, so far the organisation who runs this museum have received, not including visitors' fees or anything like that, 
just direct funding from governments, 1.6 million from the Australian government, close to 900,000 from the Queensland state government, and from Wintonshire itself, more than $800,000. So you add those up and back of the envelope figures, you're talking more than $3 million. And then as I was alluding to earlier, there's also other things like in-kind provisions, which is a way of saying things they've received that aren't dollars, yep. and that includes you know, in their fences and that kind of thing. Again, all of the links and citations provided on this page, and for those who've joined us late, johnlevon.com, just go to the key topics, help you navigate, and then documentary, Dino Skeptics. Dino Skeptics, of course, being the working title for this documentary. We haven't settled on a final one, although that seems to be firming up as the uh, likely favourite at this stage. We're going to discuss that in a moment. Um, just quickly on that, um, I did a bit of research which is the government funding. So I want to know who the government body is that signs these checks. So I, um, I found the department and my sister-in-law is um, pretty well connected in Canberra um, and she's given me someone I can speak to uh, in that department. So going to find that out for uh, a little bit further so we might be able to get a uh, in their perspective is on this. So if they're funding these projects, obviously someone has to pitch that fun that funding idea to them. So what's that method? Um, what's the scrutiny? Uh, and how do these applicants um, get approved? So when we find our you know, bone down there, so this would be good knowledge so we can obviously get our funding as well. So but I'm really so, so on, yeah, what is the documentation that gets submitted to the government? Who are these people sign off? Is there a connection? Is it yeah, is it uh, the captain of the, the Winton football team is in the um, in this position um, down there? I get what you're saying. Payer is giving this stuff. Yeah. Who is the person who makes the call? How many people involved in that uh, decision or discussion? What are their relationships? If you can do some digging on that, I would be very interested to see the conclusions uh, of that research. Yeah, I've been in a lot of uh, commercial engagement with government. It's literally finding that person and it's like, this is what we're doing. Yes or no, and they just pull the trigger right there. And there. So, um, what is the documentation? What's the evidence? What's the procedure to do this? Um, and is the public, uh, you know, is this correct appropriation of the public's funding? Very good questions. And I think a lot of people would be interested in that. Who is making these decisions? I mean, this is not so much to do with dinosaurs, but just the functioning of government. Who is it that decides which museums get money? Yep. If I opened my own dinosaur museum, and I found some scientists who confirmed that what I found was actually 100 million years old. Who decides if I get money? Very interesting. And in the live chat, we've got about 20 people watching live, 12 by 42 Nikon, who is a content producer himself, who's made a few good videos. I recommend people go and check those out. He says, why is this episode two? I haven't seen any episode one. Episode one we recorded uh, maybe a week or two ago. The way that these work is that they're broadcast live on YouTube, and then they are immediately set to private, and and then archive on the bond.com. I archive them on my Vimeo account. So they're still accessible to anyone. Just have to sign up for a free membership on johnthebond.com, entirely free. Just need an email address, and then you can access these videos on archive. And I would broadcast them through Vimeo in the first place, but I haven't been able to work out how you do that, if indeed you can do that. So for the time being, YouTube is a nice little step in between. But there's plenty of archived material on this topic and more available for free if you sign up as a free member at johnthebond.com go and check it out. So yeah, so those are revenues for the organisation. They also get donations and other things. Again, check that out on the website for yourself. 
the operation. It is the museum, uh, AAOD Limited, who run the museum. That's pretty straightforward. Now, David Elliott, we've already sort of kind of, we kind of already covered David Elliott in what we've said so far, but basically he discovered dinosaurs on his property. He opened a museum, then he discovered more dinosaurs. I provide all the documentation for that. Just quickly, do you have anything you want to add to that little synopsis of the career of David Elliott? No, I think that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, I hope so. It'll be lovely to have a chat with him. And, and the way that I see these kinds of things is I don't know a person until I've met them. Yeah. I've read many articles about this guy. I've listened to interviews with this guy in audio format. I've watched him on video. I feel like I've got to, to know a fair bit of the, of the full story or the official story of him. But until I meet him as a man, I don't know him as a man. I'm not going to judge him. I'll just go there to his museum, ask some very honest and open and fair questions. There certainly won't be any uh, attacking or anything like that. And we'll see what he has to say for himself. And I think there's a very tiny chance that he might react in a negative fashion to the questions. But I think more likely he'll uh, try to answer them to the best of his ability. And then it will be up to the people who watch the documentary and all the bonus features to decide, is this man telling you a convincing story? And only the viewers and listeners can make up their own minds about that. Yeah, I think I think that's fair and, it, and, it's, and it's fair for him as well. Like I said, he could be a spear genuine bloke. So you got to give the benefit of the doubt. And that's like, again, why I said I've emailed the others to, you know, say, hey, this is, this is what we want to do, um, be a part of it or, or not be a part of it, but always give people that opportunity to you know, participate. And I know what you mean when you say benefit of the doubt. I refrain from using the term benefit of the doubt because to many people that implies that you're going to believe their story. I don't believe anything. I, I believe what I can prove and these dinosaurs, I haven't seen it, so I've got no proof. So hopefully, and I'm willing to be convinced they can prove, uh, prove this to me, but in the meantime, if they can or if they can't, David L is running his uh, is running his museum. I'm sure many of the people involved believe 100% in what they're doing. I'm certainly not interested in attacking. The way I see it, getting getting more broad here, is everyone I deal with, including myself, we we all believe stuff that uh, we find out is wrong, and hopefully we're all changing our mind as we go. It doesn't always mean that we uh, are trying to believe what is true or uh, untrue. So uh, in terms of attacking people. I'm not interested in doing that. This is really more of uh, an inquiry. Let's see what there is to see and then we'll make up their own mind. Just ask the questions. Yeah, so hopefully we get a chance to chat with old David Elliott. Again, all the information is there. Now, section six, again, we need to run through this quick because time is of the essence, but is this man the luckiest man in Australia? Because, of course, in 2004, it turns out that uh, some, some farmers out near David thought they saw a light in the sky and wouldn't, you wouldn't guess where it landed. You wouldn't guess who found it. It was a, it was a meteorite, and it landed on David Elliott's property. Can you believe this? Yeah, well, I, I haven't actually read the official story. I've only heard from yourself that that's what happened. So, hey, you know, some people get all the luck, eh? How about that? So, yeah, but, um, yeah, that's interesting. So why not, why not find some meteorites out there? These objects that have been hurtling through space maybe for billions of years, yeah, and uh, all of a sudden decide to make impact with, uh, with Earth. They burn up, but apparently not too much in the atmosphere, and they hit, mm. the, uh, they hit the Earth, and, uh, and David managed to find it without even having to dig. He actually found it on the property without digging. One hell of a lucky guy, mm. Lucas. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, hey, maybe Winton's the epicenter of the universe. So, yeah that uh, we'll go and find out and what happens at Winton. If the old, uh, if the old travel van disappears, <laughs> the mainstream news story might be that uh, 
Lucas and John Bon disappeared. Their van was struck by a meteorite. And this was confirmed by the good scientists at the Queensland Museum. Exactly. Yeah. Case closed. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, so again, all the information. Guys, I keep saying it doesn't mean anything unless you double check it. And I've spent many, many hours writing this page with all of the links included. And WordPress, I love WordPress, but it can be a pain with all the formatting, especially with longer pages. But I've taken the time. Please go and check this for yourself. Make up your own mind. So let's get to the fun roach into the heart of Australia. Because of all of this and more, we've decided that that is where we are headed. We've given an overview of all of that, so people can yep. check that for themselves. And then how can people get involved? So it is very common now for people making independent films to crowdfund and to say, look, if you want to help us fund the film, because there are costs that are involved, there will be benefits for you. Can you tell us, Lucas, how familiar are you with the concept of crowdfunding independent films? Um, not so much of independent films, um, but I guess I get being in tech, um, that's kind of the, the first projects that um, started, I guess, the Kickstarter revolution were all around tech um, products and then it's expanded more broadly into the arts, etc. But, yeah, the general idea is, you know, you can, you can pledge some money and then become a part of the film. Um, these programs work really well if it's rewards-based, so with, I guess, with art and music, it's a good um, project. Yeah, there's, there's, there's rewards such as getting in the credits, being part of the film, etc. So you can actually perhaps even steer the direction of, 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 the, uh, of the piece that's going to be produced. Yeah, so the basic idea with crowdfunding is that uh, it takes people some time and effort to, to produce something. And in, in our case, we're lucky. We've done the maths and we've both got enough money in our bank accounts to fund this off our own bats. But at the same time, if people want to contribute they'll get back rewards, which allow them to be part of what I think will be a groundbreaking film, uh, certainly for this scene through which people found me. But I think more broadly, I'm not aware of anyone who has taken the time to go and evaluate, sceptically, if you want to use that terminology, the claims made by not just this museum, but anything like it. No one's actually done this before, and that's just looking at it from the dinosaur perspective. More broadly, this will be a film about Australiana, who will pop into towns, chat with the locals, show plenty of the, uh, the geography and the landscapes and uh, the cinema photography, I think, will be involved in that. And so if they want to be, they can. If they don't want to be involved, uh, nobody's forced to. That is how crowdfunding works. And like I said, the good thing is that we're, we're doing this on a shoestring budget. Yep. We're going to do this. We could receive not a cent. And this is going to happen. I've been talking about it for months. You've been talking about it for months. It's going to happen, but people can get involved. And if they do... There are quite a few benefits. Let's go through those quick. There are four levels that people can contribute at. And if you go to places like uh, Indiegogo or Kickstarter, this is often the case. They say, well, depending on how much you contribute, here's what you get in return. We've tried to make sure that each of these comes with extra value as you go through the tiers. So we've named them after some of the more popular dinosaurs in Queensland. There are four to choose from. You've got Minmi, Matabarasaurus, Australovenator and Wintona Titan. And bear in mind, those are all the names of officially recognised and accepted dinosaurs. I'm not making any of this up. So if you contribute as a Mimi member, you get access to the digital download of the final film when it's ready for release, plus a shout-out in the promotional video, Lucas. Yeah, that seems, uh, that seems like if you, uh, if you want to contribute, um, yeah, have, have a look at that one for sure. But there's uh, some, some good rewards out there as well. But, yeah, that, that's... Uh, 
that's a that's a fair uh, reward for a, a fair uh, donation. Well, for twenty dollars, you get access to the digital stream of the film, and of course, technology being what it is, more and more people are streaming their videos and their their TV shows and their movies now than they are um, borrowing them from the the rental store or what have you. Yeah. And with my Vimeo account, I'm able to make it so that uh, the people who contribute get an access to a code, an individual unique code, and that code can be used to stream the film. Now, at the moment, we haven't decided if we're filming in full uh, 4K HD, Ultra HD, yeah. or just regular uh, 1920 by 1080p <laughs> HD, I guess. We'll probably just film it with the hardware that we've got, which yeah. would be regular HD, full HD, which is still cool, I reckon. But if we get enough uh, contributions, we'll go out and buy a 4K camera and do it in full 4K. And Vimeo, who are my video service, my video hosting service, do offer 4K streaming. So if you contribute as a Mimi member or a Mimi supporter, you get access to the download. Plus a shout out, whatever name you like, your real name, your YouTube name, any pseudonym you choose within reason, yep. uh, we'll give you a shout out in the promo video. Sound good? And next one. Now onto the Matabarasaurus, or the Barra level uh, is what I'm calling it. You get all the above, plus your name in the credits of the film, and you get first access to the daily updates on the road. Now there's only one phone provider or telco in Australia that provide coverage out there, and that's Telstra. Fortunately for us, uh, Lucas has teed up what we need to make sure that we can upload updates each day along on the trip. So that logistics workout, we'll be uploading a daily update of what we've captured so far, what we've seen so far, etc. Borough supporter, you get first access to that as well as your name in the credits. Lucas, how's that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. And I think we'll hopefully, if my logistics work out well, like I said, hit the town around yeah midday, local library, etc. Get some of the, the, the post production, get some of those uh, daily updates. You know what? What? What better way to finish the afternoon than to uh, jump online and see a daily update of, of the trip so far? Yeah. Well, the way I see it. Again, my YouTube channel says I've got 3,000 subscribers. Most of those people couldn't give a stuff about me or my work. But it's like a, almost like a hockey stick where there are some people who've been following what I'm doing for a while. They've been hearing about this film for a while. And I think if they've taken the time themselves to look into dinosaurs, they'll be very interested to see how this ends up. And they, if they want to, can be part of this where they're getting updates each day as the film is being made, if they're so interested. Yeah, exactly. And conditions can really shape the outcome of the film, like you know, if a few of them throw in, you know, throw some money in the hat, we can go from standard HD to you know, 4K. So that's you can make a real contribution. You can make a real effect on the outcome of this project. Yeah. I know what's what the research has been done. I know the pre-production has already been you and I are capable of. It's easy for me to sit here and say I know this is going to be a documentary or a film that changes the game. I don't blame anyone else for being a little bit more skeptical about that. But if there's someone who does think that this could be a game changer, they get to help make sure that it is. This wouldn't just be the first film on these topics or in this style. It'd be one of the first ever independent films done in full 4K. Yeah, exactly. How cool would that be? Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a good adventure. And I said, just being part of that, you know, if you can't. Yeah, some people might want to even come along for uh, the ride, but unfortunately we've only got the two seats. So that's true. If you can, not very much sleeping area <laughs> either. So unfortunately that's not going to happen. But uh, as, as far as 4K goes, Luke, because I have to say, I hadn't even thought about this until I rocked up here Wednesday last week. And in your lounge room is a 4K screen. This guy <laughs> is not living too badly. And I can say there's a big difference between full HD and 4K 
uh, Ultra HD, isn't it? If we're being serious for a moment, there's yeah. a huge difference. Something like four times as many pixels on the screen. Yeah. And if listen, you're you're doing okay for yourself, and I, I respect and admire and envy what you've put together. But you're not a millionaire, so if you've got a 4K screen, these will probably be commonplace in a couple of years. Because yeah. I remember some of the people I knew who were getting uh, HD screens when they were expensive. Within a couple of years, everyone had them. Yeah. So a 4K film would future-proof this, that's I think, right. in a way. Look, full HD is still good to me. Yeah. And I'm not going to complain if that's how it ends up. But if it is 4K, it, it kind of future-proofs it at least for another five or ten years, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, we might have one opportunity to do this. So we be a... There's a couple hundred bucks the difference between being yeah, HD and 4K, and yeah, it'd be a bit of a shame that we'd make that that uh, that price. Yeah, and uh, again, we're already both putting in some money from our uh, from our own bank accounts. You're a family man, and I am an itinerant living in friends' uh, spare couches. If they've got a spare room, as you do yeah. in the in the spare room, but um, we're already both committed to a fair bit enough to get the film done. But the bonus will be uh, almost like stretch goals, won't they? Yep. So uh, that's the Borough level. You're getting uh, the digital download plus a shout-out in the promo video, your name in the credits and first access to the daily updates. If you want to go bigger than that, you've got the Australovenator, Australia's first or biggest meat-eating dinosaur is what we're calling this one. You get all of the above plus an official copy of the DVD, the official DVD sent to your door or to whatever address you give to us. Again, within reason. I mean, yeah. it has to be a postal address. But you're not, I'm not going to personally deliver it. I'm going to put it in the post. And uh, they'll take care of it from there. But the DVD will include bonus features as well, Lucas. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, why not? Like, why not get a uh, bit of memorabilia to it? Yeah. I've got a funny feeling some of the bonus features will be better than the actual film. Because yeah. when, you, when you're putting together a film, like I want this to be a 90-minute, I'm a bit old-fashioned. I think 90 minutes, whatever story you're telling, you should be able to tell it in 90 minutes. Call me old-fashioned. Yeah. So I'll have to, we'll have to, in editing, put together a proper narrative from start to finish and sometimes there are things, there's always things you want to put in there that you can't. Yeah. Well, there'll be bonus features, won't they? As well as a whole bunch of other things. So I'm thinking I'd love to interview a whole bunch of locals on the way. Just say, hey, mate, do you mind if we film you? We're just doing an independent documentary. Yeah. Some people will say no, but some people will say, yeah, I don't care. There's no way we'll fit all of those into the film. No way. I'd love to have one of the bonus features just interview with Bob from the Bundaberg Hotel. Yeah. Or, you know, even if, if he wants to be part of it, uh, or make Common Law Man. Yeah. We've got Common Law Man on. Common Law, do you mind being in the DVD? If he says yes, mate, he's in the bonus features. Stuff like this, that won't be part because it's a digital download, it's a yeah. film. But it's very easy to put that onto an extra disc in a DVD that you can send out to people, and that'll be on the bonus features of DVD. And as part of that level of support, you also get access to the weekly updates during post-production. Now, again, I said I'd love to get this edited within a month, but I know that if I think I can do it in a month, it could take twice as long. So during the entire period of post-production, however long it takes, weekly updates, first access to those as well. Sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a plan. Well, you'll be part of it because at the top level of support, the Wintona Titan or the Titan level, we're not just releasing weekly updates. We'll be doing weekly Skype calls. Hopefully people are there with us. It might not be. It might just be you and me Skyping each other saying, might be just Lucas saying, come on, Johnny, like we need this film done. What are you up to? And I'm like, I'm only up to the 30th minute, man. This is going to take a long time. It could just be you and me, but it might be other people as well because Titan supporters will get to be in these weekly live Skype calls during post-production as we're putting the film together. Yeah, well, also, you know, bandwidth permitted, there could be opportunities to have Skype calls on the road. Yeah, we've hit Roma. Let's dial in. Give us some updates, you know, take some feedback uh, from, from those uh, um, Wintonian uh, supporters. 
Yeah, the Titans of Oz. And yeah, um, have, have chats along the way and, and you know, give that feedback you know, in real time. Yeah, I, I want to do that as well, but I didn't want to write that down as a benefit just in case the bandwidth on the yeah. road. I think it should be good enough. Yeah. I'm not going to guarantee anything. Whereas once we get back to Brisbane, Ben, well, usually bandwidth isn't a problem, yeah. Lucas. Usually it isn't. And so they'll be definitely in the weekly live calls during post-production and bandwidth permitting also in the Skype calls but on the road. They've just launched the muster satellites. Oh, that's right, the satellites, yeah. <laughs> how, how, of course, how silly of me. There will be plenty of coverage for all of Queensland thanks to these new satellites. You're quite the right. satellites. Yeah. So you get the Skype call access to an advanced screen of the film. So before the, the official premiere, yep. we'll put together... See, what some films do is put together like a focus group and play an ending, get the feedback. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Yeah. Sometimes they change the ending depending on the, uh, the audience feedback. With us, there won't be so much some segments of the film that people like. There might be other segments where they say, actually, boys, if I were you, I'd do this. I'd love to get their opinions on it. And so if you're a Titan uh, supporter, if you're a Winton and Titan supporter at that level, you'll get to see the film before it's officially released and your feedback will be taken on board for the final cut. And uh, even if what you suggest uh, convinces or it doesn't convince us to make additions to the film one way or the other, you'll get to see the film before everyone else, basically. It won't be the final draft, but it'll be pretty close. And uh, especially if you're a filmmaker or someone who's done this kind of thing before, your feedback would be uh, especially welcome. And you can remember. Lucas, what say you? Yeah, that's a, uh, yeah, that's a good uh, a good summary. I just, I just actually thought of something there. One of my uh, well, friends, acquaintances, actually put it together a documentary called uh, Bitcoin the End of Money and I was actually flying back from Melbourne after that, that little uh, chat we had and his film has made it to the Virgin uh, Inline Entertainment and I actually got a call from UQ doing a screening of it up here at the um, UQ, oh sorry at the, at the museum um, so you know like I've, I've seen this happen firsthand and a little indie film has actually gone you know, quite mainstream so yeah we've got a good opportunity to be that that genre or that that niche in this in this uh, genre I should say don't get me wrong I've I've imagined myself touring the world going on a <laughs> and premiering this film I've got a sneaking suspicion that the content alone might not be to the tastes of even so-called yep. alternative or independent people but I'll tell you this your film you better believe I'm going to be there. Yep. So while I'm someone who always plans for the worst and hopes for the best, and at the moment I'm expecting this to be an entirely independent film, not screened officially anywhere. Yep. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? And uh, hey, I haven't, I haven't committed to anything next year. Yeah. Who knows where <laughs> this is going to take us? And hey, if we get to the old 4K, yeah. that could be just a just a ticket. Yeah. So I uh, see so the Titan members, you get the Skype calls, advanced screening, and I think this is probably the best part. Yeah. We'll yeah. ask your question. To the experts, yeah. So within that, reason, with, well, it's, obviously it's all within reason. <laughs> if you want your question to be, "Why are you guys liars?" Yeah. I'm not going to ask that question. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you read one of their scientific papers and you notice that they say this and they say that, uh, there's a discrepancy. I'll ask a question. If one of you guys is very suspicious about the, say the um, the meteorite, yep. and you want and you read the official story of the meteorites because the official story involves him you know, using sticks and, and all this kind of stuff. If you want to, uh, me to ask that question, I get a chance, it'll be, hey, and suppose the, the supporter is um, YouTuber named ABC. I'll be like, uh, yeah, I've got a question, and this will all be caught on camera, hopefully, and if not on camera, on, uh, on an audio device, whatever we can record it with. Hey, uh, my friend ABC wants to know, 
In, there's an article in the Korean Mail where you claim to have found a meteorite. I won't say the word claim, but I'll say where it says that you found that meteorite using sticks. Can you like just can you tell us that whole story again? Like, my ABC wants to know. You know, at what point did you stumble across a meteorite? How far was it into the Earth? Yeah. You know, and then that question and answer will both be recorded. That'll all be in the bonus features of the DVD. If it's really good and we've got and it fits in with the narrative, it might make it the final cut, but I can't guarantee anything. Yeah. Until until I sit down in front of the editing computer, I can't guarantee anything about what's going to be in the film, but it'll definitely be in the bonus uh, contents, the bonus features of the film on the DVD. And uh, your question, within reason, we'll ask it to the experts. Analyzed on the DVD. Yeah, could even you know, shape the ending based on the outcome. Who knows? Who knows? And on the, on the answer of the, of the question, yeah, for sure. But hey, that's what I'd be uh, trying to... Uh, trying to get involved with. Yeah, so those are the four levels. You've got Mimi level, the Barra level, Venator level, Titan level, all named after Aussie dinosaurs, and uh, you can choose between those. Again, the, the film is fully funded. We're funding it out of our own pockets, but the more that comes in, the better the hardware that we use, so on and so forth. And that's uh, all. All the information there is on the website, johnbond.com, and you can choose between the supporter levels there. All very straightforward, just through PayPal, just like the membership of my website. And uh, I just do put a little note in there. If you do go ahead and purchase one of these supporter levels, bear in mind that if your benefit involves a name, such as being in the credits, it can be your name, like your legal name. It can be a YouTube name, a pseudonym. Again, within reason, we're not going to put up um, stupid fairy huffy pants or some silly nonsense like that. But you can put it whatever you like, and you will be immortalized in a film that I think will be a game changer. But regardless, we'll be we'll be finished, we'll be done, and you'll have on DVD for the rest of your life. Yeah, who knows? There's uh, other other dinosaur sites around Australia. There's the Western Australian one and there's the uh, Victorian one. So we have a good time. There's there's no reason reason why this time next year we can't have a have a crack at the next one. That's exactly right. And uh, we'll talk more about this in the next video because we have to wrap this one up. It's yep. gone a little bit over time, but. We don't know what the future of this video holds. I'll put it back on. Um, oh, and also, just quickly, material release so far. So, JLB member 02, you and I chatting in Melbourne uh, yep. this time last month. And then Dinos Get This Live Episode 1, all available on johnthebond.com. So, I'll just jump off the, uh, the screen share there so we can wrap this one up, make sure that one comes through nice and clear to the viewers because last time we had that problem with the audio. So, uh, I see it's anyway. What this future, what the future uh, holds for ourselves or for yeah. this film, I expect that once it's all done, you'll go back to your life as a professional family man and uh, playing your poker and having your occasional frothy. Yeah. I have no idea what I'll be doing uh, this time next year. Probably going back to a regular nine to five and saving some more cash to travel the world. Who knows what the future holds for me? Yeah. Uh, if this film goes the way I expect it to go, it'll be one of those things where a lot of people enjoy it. They get a lot from it and um, people within this scene, it'll be a bit of a game changer, but it won't really change the world because most people trust science. And this is a question, this is a film about questioning science. I don't think it's really gonna be a, a world changer, but how far it does go, how big it does get, I honestly do not know. And uh, as we've already said, Lucas, the more people who get on board and support it, the more chance it has of going bigger. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. That's, uh, that's probably a good way to uh, wrap this up. That's, you think so? Uh, yeah. All right, so uh, yeah, just recapping, we've gone through uh, the welcome, the recap of the concept. We've gone through what I provided on my website, johnthebond.com, on the relevant page. Just go to key topics, dino fraud, dino skeptics documentary. Plenty of links, plenty of information. Go through it yourself.
itself. Just in my opinion, is in there. Yep. It's all just the official story. Make up your own mind, and then if you want to support it, all of the information is there as well. You can email me, johnthebond one two three at gmail dot com, and that's going to wrap it up. So before I do give the official wrap up, Lucas, any final thoughts for Dino Skeptics Live episode number two on the twentieth of December? No, I think uh, like I said, I'm, I'm actually getting yeah looking forward to the time off work, um, start to focus a bit more on this project, get in the van, get out there, and yeah, like I said, just even have a good road trip. Hopefully we get some supporters. If not, it doesn't matter. You know, we're going to have a good time anyway. Hopefully produce some good content. Um, and, yeah, let's just see what we're going to do. Well, we're no matter what happens. Uh, I know I certainly am. And the first road trip I've done in a couple of years, the last one wasn't for a documentary, just me and a couple of mates uh, having a good time. So no matter what happens, we're going to have fun. The question is the film that gets produced, what's going to happen there? Only time will tell, but in the first two episodes of Dino Skeptics Live, I think we've given people a very good overview of what we know so far, what we expect, what they can expect. And again, more information on the website, johnthebond.com. So for Dino Skeptics Live, episode number two, we've gone away over time. Uh, That question from Go Away was a good one, but it sends us right, of course. We'll talk more about the ethics of all of this in the next episode. But until next time, guys, Dino Skeptics Live, episode two, December 2016. Until next time, you guys, take care of yourselves.